And sometimes you helped others who were suffering the same things. You suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. So, don't throw away this confidence. Don't throw away this confidence. Underline that. In fact, say it with me. Don't throw away this confidence. Don't throw away this confidence. Don't throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great rewards it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. Father, I just want to ask that as we've read that scripture, and I love your word, I love how powerful it is, because it does more than just go into our minds. It actually cuts deep into our soul and our spirit. And I'm asking today that the word won't just be something that we learn, but something that we become. In Jesus' name, amen. Has anyone read... Has anyone here read the book, The Barefoot Investor? Come on, put up your hands. There must be a few rounds, right? There's a couple here, one over here. Gee, you're not in with it. Everybody's reading The Barefoot Investor. It's the, it's the in book at the moment. It's like selling everywhere. You just go into a shop and say, The Barefoot Investor, and it'll say, oh, know exactly where that is. The Barefoot Investor is a book that a lot of people are reading at the moment to look at how you can actually spend your money and budget your money better and actually become more successful with your finances. If you haven't read it, read it. The guy called Scott Pape is the fellow that is the well-known for this book. He's a TV presenter. Um, he's also been um, um, a, a big investor and he just makes it really simple ways of how you can actually use your money better. So if you haven't got it, get it. In fact, I'll tell you what, it's so good. My son, who's just recently got married in Brisbane, he would, his wife decided to go through this, and one of the things they get you to do is every week sit down and read a chapter of this book. So he was out having breakfast, newly married, in Brisbane, having breakfast, reading this book, checking it out, gets up to go and pay for his breakfast, and uh, the person behind the counter said, don't have to worry about it. Someone who's just saw you reading that book has come up and paid for your breakfast. So it works, you see? You can become rich on this book. So we went out for dinner the other night um, with my family, and I got the book, and I put it on the end of the table, but no one paid for my dinner, so I have to read it harder. But in this book, Scott opens up the first chapter with this story. And the story goes like this. See, he has a little farm outside of Victoria, and the fires had been through and wiped out his property. And he describes how, what it was like driving down his driveway to his property. And as he drives down his driveway to his property, he, he can smell the smoke around him. He can see the blackness of the, the area around his property. He sees some sheep that are, have been shot by the local authorities because they were hurt and burnt and and so they were, so he saw that and it was breaking his heart. And as he drives closer to his house with his wife and his child, all they saw at the house was two chimney stacks. And they got out of the car and they walked around, and they could smell the, the fumes and saw the blackness. 
And as they walked through the, the rubble and the mess, they saw his wife's wedding dress that had been destroyed. They saw valuable things that were precious to them just wrecked. Kids' toys had been wrecked. Pictures of parents that have now passed away, destroyed. Everything gone. They were pretty broken and devastated. And the helicopters of the news were hovering over. And he thought, yep, I've, he's pretty familiar with that. So they jumped in their car to drive off. And as they're driving off, his wife is crying and going, why, why? And then the child in the back, he starts to cry. And then it says this. Scott says, and as we're driving out, I looked in my rear vision mirror. And he said, three words came to me. I've got this. I've got this. All of a sudden, there was a thing inside of it that said, I've got this. You see, quite often, many of us could look in our rear vision mirrors, or even today, you might be going, oh, my goodness. I'm not sure if I can handle this anymore. Maybe it's a job that's just, you know, the work's piling up here, and you're going, far out. Maybe it's a relationship that we're having that's not going too well at the moment, and you go, it's just pulling me down. Maybe it's uh, teenagers that are going through tough times and, and you're going, I'm not sure if we're going to handle this one. Maybe it's financial issues that you're just, the bills are just stacking up and the finances just aren't there to meet it. Maybe it's just life. Maybe it's a sickness that you've had and you're fighting a sickness and you're just going, I'm not sure if I'm going to get through this. Well, let me tell you, you need three words today. I got this. Because you can say that. I've got this. Because the Bible says that you've got this. You've got this because you believe in a Savior that says, I, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You see, you've got a scripture that says God has conquered all things. You've got a scripture that says that His love endures forever. He's not going to let you go. You've got a scripture that tells you that, that you can do this. You've got this. And I think if it's anything you hear today, hear this one word. You've got it. You've got this. Why? Because of Jesus. You've got this. You see, it's kind of weird because I, um, I, I, I'm preparing my message, right, on confidence. And I'm struggling with it myself. And so I'm, I'm, I'm working on this really hard. We had a big day yesterday to do a, a funeral that was a really big funeral and had two parts of it. And I was exhausted. And I actually wasn't sure if I was going to get it because the funeral was for a very dear, lovely friend of ours. And I'm, I nearly lost it actually doing the funeral. And all the time I'm going, I've got this. I've got this. And then I go to my family function, right? We have a big family, as you know, and a family of, of very successful and people that uh, make me feel very dwarfed quite often. Um, and I go to my family function and they're all having fun and, and I'm working through my message on the way there because it's right over in Craigie. So on the way there, I'm working through my message, you know, trying to think of, God, how do you want me to say this? And I get there and my big brother, my oldest brother, who is a, who's a very, very good pastor and a very good preacher and a man that knows the scripture really, really well. And he says, hey, Steve, I'm coming to your church tomorrow. And I went, no, you're not. You're not coming. So yeah, I'm coming to your church tomorrow. No, no, no. Can you come in here? No, 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 you're not coming. It's okay. Actually, what I tried to do, he doesn't know this, but I, I actually see if I could get him another gig um, tomorrow just in case. You know, um, do you guys need a preacher tomorrow? Because I think there's one available. 
But he's here. My brother Keith, Pastor Keith Hall, where are you? He's up the back here, see? My brother Keith. And so he's here today. And all the time I'm thinking, you got this, Steve. You've got this. Um, so I'm scared stiff because he's there, but he's because uh, I, I respect him highly. Um, got over my other brother being here, so <laughs> we can do that. But it's like, it's all in the mind, isn't it? Isn't it in the mind? Because the enemy wants to take away your confidence. The scripture says this. It says in Romans, because you see, the devil cannot take away your calling. The devil cannot take away your calling. You've been called a child of God. He's called you into relationship. The devil cannot take that away. The devil cannot take away your calling to, to that ministry that you've got. He cannot take that away. The devil cannot take away your calling to be a husband or a wife or a child. He cannot take that away. But what he can take away, he can take away your confidence. Because if he takes away your confidence, he will take away and make you inactive in your calling. See, the devil cannot take your calling, but he can take your confidence. Because in Romans it says this. It says, if I can find it. Romans 11 says, For God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. Or if you like it from the message, it says, God's gift and call has a lifetime warranty. It can't go away, but what can be taken away is your confidence. You see, you've been called, and I have been called, to tell people about Jesus, to go and make disciples. But you know what? The devil will tell you, you can't. You're not good enough. You can't speak. They're going to reject you. You can't do that. He'll take away your confidence. The book of Hebrews that we're reading from here was a, it's a great book because it's written to a whole bunch of believers, Hebrews, who have come out of their faith as, as um, a Judaism. And when you come out of Judaism, you basically not just becoming a believer, but you're actually stepping out of a community. You see, you're no longer accepted as part of your family. You don't have the same inheritance and the same benefits anymore. You don't have the same financial supports anymore. You don't have the same relationships. You're seen as outcasts in the community. And this church, the Hebrew people, they were feeling like that. And so this book is written to a church or a people group of Hebrews who are believers in Jesus who were going through a crisis. They were facing a crisis head on. They were starting to question. Their confidence was starting to disappear. And the, and the, and the writer to Hebrews says, do not, the next slide, says, do not, and I love it coming out of the New King James says, therefore do not cast away your confidence. Think about that. You would cast away. It's something you've got. Don't cast it away. Guys, I know you're going through a crisis and you're starting to doubt and you're starting to wonder whether I can really do this. I'm facing something and I'm going, can I really do this? And he says, do not cast away that confidence that you've got. Don't throw it away. Hang on to it. It's yours. Someone here needs to know that your confidence is starting to be disappeared because you're starting to wonder if you can do it. And the writer says, do not cast away your confidence. You can do this. Church, we can do this. We can see people come to know Jesus. We can see lives transformed. Oh, yeah, I know it says it in the Bible. You've got it up there, Steve, and you're talking about it. But we can do this. Why? Because he's got confidence in Jesus Christ. We can do this. 
you need to hear it. You can do this. Do not cast away your confidence. In this scripture, there are three things. There's probably four, actually. And I, won't, I might sneak the fourth one in, but I'll only stay with three. There's three things I saw there. As I studied this scripture and I looked at the whole of Hebrews, there's three keys here of restoring our confidence. If you're losing your confidence in your faith in Jesus, if you're losing your confidence in your relationships, if you're losing confidence in what you've been called to do, here are three things, three things that are important that the writer to the Hebrews is saying. Number one, look back. Now, I know we're not supposed to dwell on the past, but he's saying look back, recall. Recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. Look back. Has anyone got bogged? No, you wouldn't have done. I've got bogged a few times. And I've discovered one way of getting out of bog, if you're not too bad, if it's not quite up to the diff yet, is you reverse. You reverse because if you reverse back, you get back onto the hard ground you were before you got bogged. Sometimes we need to go back to get traction to move forward. Sometimes we've got to back up a little bit to get traction so we can go forward. And he's saying, I want you to look back to the past, church. Just check it out. Just look back at your former days. Look back at those things that happened. I reckon he was probably saying, look back to Acts chapter 4. Because here, Acts chapter 4 was a description of what you read in the rest of that little article there in Hebrews. Acts chapter 4, you may remember I preached on that Acts chapter 3 a few weeks ago, where Peter and John had been to the temple and they'd seen a guy and they said, silver and gold you don't have, but that which I give you, I take. And he raised up and he started walking and the officials didn't like that. And so they imprisoned, they imprisoned Peter and John. They imprisoned them. You see, they had false accusations. False accusations will take away your confidence. Accusations will take away your confidence. They locked them up. Locking your, Our lack of confidence will lock us up from being active. They were locked up. But you see, what happened is these guys stood up and they were bold. And they told these people that were in front of the court, they said, guys, you leaders of the church, of the synagogue, you need to know Jesus did this. They were bold. They could have got, they could have, they could have lost their lives, but they were bold. They were strong. They stood up. And you see what happens as you go further on, not only did they stand up, the accusers had nothing to stand on. You see, when we stand up in the boldness of Jesus, the accusers, which is in your mind generally, or people around you who are saying, you can't do this, you're not good enough, you haven't got this, you haven't got that, they will have to sit back when you bring the name of Jesus out. And they brought the name of Jesus out. So the official said, well, we're going to have to let you go. But when you go, I don't want you to talk to anybody. And they said, you've got to be joking. That's what we've been told to do. You're not going to take that away from me. So they said, oh, okay, we'll do it quietly. Yeah, right. So they go home, and if you read further on in Acts 4, you hear this great statement. Let me read it to you. Acts 4.29, it says, and the, the believers were at home praying, and it's, this is their prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness, that's not boldness, 
or boldness. I have a gift of boldness. All boldness, they may speak your word. See, God did not give you a spirit of timidity, but one of boldness. Be confident in that. And they were. They were. Sometimes you've got to look back, and they look back at those things. We need to look back. Look back at those times when you, were, you really didn't know how you were going to get through it, but you got through it. You prayed. You sought God. Look back. And seeing how God has taken you so far. Look back at that time when you, you actually were first a believer and you went out and you told all your friends about Jesus. And something, something stopped over the years, hasn't it? We've lost that confidence. Look back. I once had it. What happened to it? Why aren't I so bold anymore? Why can't I do that anymore? Who told me that I'm no good? Who told me that I'll be sick? Who told me I might be rejected? Because you won't be rejected because Jesus will never reject you. He loves you. He's accepted you. What lie and accusations has locked me up? And it's time for me to stand up and go, I got this. I've got this because Jesus told me that I've got it. The second thing I saw here was they looked around. They looked around. He says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. In other words, you know what the greatest form of encouragement is? You, being together. Why did God want a church that was together? Because we would spur each other on, not put each other down, not judge each other, not criticize each other, not tell each other you can't, but to tell each other you can. Why? Because we need each other. You see, going to church every second week, third week isn't good enough. I need you. Why? Because during the week, I need confidence. I need you. You need each other. I had a great meeting this week. I've had some great meetings this week. But one meeting I went to, which was exciting, I don't know how I got there. Well, I know how I got there. I drove, right? But I don't know how I got to the meeting, in the meeting. But there's a discussion happening in our city where churches and mission groups are saying there's a brokenness and there's a hurt and there's a pain in our city. You see, WA is the, is, is the capital of ICE. <laughs> We've got homelessness in our city. We've got people with domestic violence in our city. And what in this meeting, there was the head of the Salvation Army. There was the head of the Uniting Church. There was a Coptic priest who is part of the heads of churches. There was a few of others around. That's why I said, don't ask me what I was doing there. But the discussion was this. We are not churches. We are the church. And God loves this city so much, he's put a church in it. That's how much he loves our city. See, that's how much he loves Kalamunda. But we've got to be the church, not a bunch of churches. And so the Salvation Army are saying, we've got all these buildings and they're empty. We'll take our names off them. Let's use it together. Let's make a difference. The Uniting Church said, I've got a commercial kitchen sitting here in the middle of the town. No one's using it. But if the churches will rise up and use it, if the church will rise up and use it and make a difference, we can make a difference because our confidence is when we're together, not when we're apart. And that's why we need to be together. That's why we need to be connected. Don't stop meeting together, he tells the Hebrews. He says, don't stop that. Keep meeting together because you need each other to spur each other on to, works and good, to good works. 
That's what we've got to do. That's why you need to get to to connect groups. That's why we need to come on a Sunday, because we need to spur each other on. We need to cheer each other on. We need to say, you're doing a great job. Young people, you're doing a great job. Keep going. Children's ministry, you're doing a great job. Jill, keep going. Life group, connect group leaders, you're doing a great job. Keep going. We need to do this. Why? Because that's where our confidence lies. Because when we're together, we're working together. I love that concept. And then we've got to look forward. He then says this in looking forward. For you have need of endurance that after you have done the will of God, you may have received the, the promise. The concept of endurance is that you've got to keep moving on. Patient endurance. Be patient but keep pushing on. Don't give up. You've got this baby. Don't give up. You've got to keep pushing on. We need to keep moving and keep going. You've got to look forward. Psalm 65 says this, by awesome deeds in righteousness, you will answer us, O God of our salvation. You who are the confidence of all the ends of the earth. See, he's our confidence. Spur each other on. Because he is our confidence. And let's keep moving. Don't stop, but keep believing. Keep having a go. Why? This is your confidence. Some of you might be struggling to even come into prayer. Some of you might be struggling to even go, I'm not good enough to stand before Jesus. But you see, Hebrews says this. Earlier on, it says, you have been given the right because of Jesus Christ. No one else, it says. The others didn't work. Well, they did work, but now you've got something even better. Jesus is even better because for his sacrifice, you can now enter the Holy of Holies boldly with confidence. You can come into worship in confidence. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. That's what you've got. We need to hold on to that. This week, I, uh, I did have the, the uh, pleasure it was sad, but it was a pleasure. And it was hard, but it was a pleasure. I sat with the family of the lady I told you about last week. And we sat around her bed on Sunday night last week. It was just the family and me in the middle. I think they've inherited me as their surrogate son now. But uh, we were sitting around this bed. And the mother was struggling with the last breaths of her life. And as she was struggling with breath and the family were around and they had worship playing and occasionally one would pray and read a scripture. And it got to the time. And I'll never, never, ever forget this. This will stay in my memory bank. This is going to be one of my attractions. But as I was sitting around the bed, the Lord just put on my heart to read a scripture and to pray. And so I did. I read a scripture and I prayed with my eyes open. Have to do that. And as I was praying, I just said, you know, the presence of God. It was so real. It was so real in that room. I said, the angels are around you. I could sense it. She opened her eyes. She lifted her hands. And Jesus took her home right there. It was like she was just being lifted up in the spirit. It was it was surreal. And it got me, you know, because of Jesus. We can enter into his presence. 
Because of Jesus, we can enter into the fullness of life. Because of Jesus, we can have the confidence to pray. Because of Jesus, I can have the confidence to walk into his presence. Because of Jesus, I can have the confidence to walk into eternity. Don't let him take away your confidence. You've been called. The devil will try and take it away. He'll give us doubts. Worship team, can I have a camera? He'll give you doubts. He'll say, you can't do that. You haven't got that. You know, Dave, he's going to be doing a lot of self-talk on that push bike, I reckon. There's going to be some hills. He's going to go, my goodness. But he's going to be saying to himself, I got this. I got this, baby. We're going to do it. And Jesus says to you today, you've got this. You've got it. Would you stand with me as we finish off? Because we're going to do a declaration after the service, at the end of the service, as we do it every week. But just close your eyes for one moment. And maybe like the Hebrew church, you've been having a bit of a crisis of faith. Maybe like the, like the Hebrew church, you've been questioning. You've been questioning. Is this really the right call? Maybe you've been struggling with your confidence. Maybe you used to be a person that prophesied in church and God just gave you words and somehow it's been squashed. And you lost your confidence. See, the enemy will do that because he doesn't want you to speak out. Maybe you used to be a person that would love to go and tell people about Jesus, but you know what? You've had a couple of failures. And the enemy keeps reminding you. And you lost your confidence. Maybe, maybe you've got this massive financial relationship issue, family issue right in front of you and you're not sure you can make it you lost your confidence I'm going to ask right now that you would ask Jesus to replace that confidence in you that spirit of boldness that you once had ask for it back don't listen to the lies of the enemy that's locked you up. Listen to the truth of Scripture. You can do this. Remember one time I went to a conference and somebody prayed for me for boldness. And I thought that was fun. I went back to my office and the pastor there who I was working with at the time, who hadn't been there, didn't know what happened. He said, my goodness, why are you so much bigger? It's because, see, God had put a boldness in me that I didn't have that are lost. You lost that boldness, that courage, that confidence to stand up, to face that which is in front of you, to pray for healing for someone, to pray for salvation, to expect God. Father, I'm just going to ask now, that by your Spirit right now, that confidence that we've cast off, you would help us pick it back up again. That confidence in Jesus that, that I, you said if you'd only seek first the kingdom of God, you would supply all our needs. You said that. I've lost that confidence. I'm holding on now to what I've got, that little I've got because I'm scared of losing it. I've lost that confidence. As a church, God, we don't want to lose that confidence. We trust you for our finances here. We don't trust the world or our good budgeting. We're going to trust you. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. 
And we're going to see you just supply and supply. As a church, God, we might have lost that confidence to be bold in our community. But you put us here to be a light in the hill. You told us you would do that. And we want to be a light in our community. We lost the boldness to see people come to know Jesus, and we haven't done that anymore. We want to take that back again. We're going to take that back again. The enemy's stolen it, but Jesus will give it back. Jesus is going to give it back. Restore that boldness. Holy Spirit, come now. In the powerful name of Jesus, just anoint people right now with a spirit of boldness and courage and confidence.